want to welcome everybody to episode 39 of Levi's Youth Sports Talk. And today we have somebody here from LaGrange, Texas, went to LaGrange High School, uh, went to Wharton Junior College and then St. Mary's University. Now she's the head coach at Converse Justin High School. want to welcome Coach T- Teresa Urbanowski to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, um, Coach Irby, so if you want to um, just start off with like your upbringing, one of how, you get in, how did you get into softball and what other sports did you play growing up? So I did grow up in a small town in LaGrange. Um, when I was in high school, or actually in middle school, there wasn't a softball. Um, so um, my parents were actually the start of the Little League program. I played baseball until I was like 12. And I was a pitcher, mm-hmm. and they um, started the um, little league program, which then evolved our softball program. Um, I had the opportunity going to a private school where I did to play some softball in middle school, um, seventh and eighth grade. They actually let me start playing at um, sixth grade, but mm-hmm. um, I watched my mom play when I was a little kid, mm-hmm. and so when I was like four or five, she was playing on a fast pitch team, and that's where I first saw um, fast pitch softball. Okay. Okay. And, um, you know, through the high school and if you wanted to get into the, um, your recruitment days and how did you choose the colleges you went to? Well, that was an interesting thing being from a small town, um, your 3A school, LaGrange was at that um, time period, we played everything. So I played volleyball, basketball, mm-hmm. and I ran track. And so those were my three sports. Um, we had a very strong volleyball program, the opportunity of um, getting some opportunities, of getting scholarships volleyball had an um, opportunity to play basketball too in college and um but i loved softball and that was something that we were pretty successful at um, at the little league level where we got exposure um i had to make a decision now being a multi-sport athlete and not being really recruited and there wasn't many opportunities in the late 80s to play um, mm-hmm. sports for women it was first starting right. the ball especially softball because there was um, just a handful of teams that were um, evolving in that time i was recruited by um Southwest Texas, now at Texas State, to play mm-hmm. softball. I was recruited um, to play um, softball and volleyball at St. Edwards, and mm-hmm. I had the opportunity. Um, I had um, some more volleyball opportunities and softball opportunities um, because softball, like I said, wasn't, and there wasn't many sports, I mean, many teams that had teams, or schools that had teams. So I ended up deciding to go to um, a junior college to play volleyball. I went to Wharton, had a lot of success there, and played at the national level, and that's that opened up the doors for me at St. Mary's to play um, softball and volleyball. St. Ed's and St. Mary's were recruiting me um, very strongly um, for, um, well, St. Ed's was recruiting me for softball and volleyball. Mm-hmm. St. Mary's didn't know anything about me in softball, and then I ended up um, pursuing St. Mary's because of their um, reputation at that time and being such a well nationally ranked team. Okay. So how long have you been coaching at the high school level? So I'm on, um, this is my 30th year coaching, so I'm going into year 23 at um, coaching at Judson. Okay. And, you know, you have um, a lot of coaches that kind of started under you that now head coaches at different schools. Like, um, it's a two, kind of a two-part question. Like, how does it feel, you know, knowing that, you kind of paved the way for these coaches and got them, you know, to where they are today. No, I um, think it's an amazing experience to be able to coach a player and mm-hmm. then see them show their passion and love for the game and then have the opportunity for those players to get back and then end mm-hmm. up coaching. The neatest experience has been the opportunity of getting to coach a player and then getting to coach with that player. Mm-hmm. 
um, or um, having the opportunity to even coach against some of those um, people that I've um, had the opportunity of um, coaching. Mm-hmm. And like, um, how many um, like have you, if you can think of, you know, right off the top, have have you had like that's head coaches? Well, head coaches, there's um, we have some really good coaches in the San Antonio area that are. Um, uh, I was looking at the numbers, probably around six or eight that are head coaches in the San Antonio area. Mm-hmm. And then I have um, players that are assistant coaches. And then now I'm blessed with um, two of my former players that are my assistants. Mm-hmm. Um, what sparked your interest in coaching softball? I um, felt like it was just something unique, the um, relationship that you have with a coach and getting the opportunity to um, – It's it was very empowering for a person that didn't know any better growing up in a small town. Mm-hmm. And when I started doing the recruiting process, I started looking outside and I realized that this is definitely what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't want to just play. I wanted to get back mm-hmm. after I had the opp- same co- that opportunity of playing at the collegiate level. Okay. Um, you know, I know, you know, like, you, you, like we said, you have a lot of coaches that you coach with, you played, you know, coach played. Which coach do you like to coach against the most? I don't like to coach against <laughs> anybody, but I'm coaching players that are my coaches. No, I love coaching against them. It is such an intense... All of the people that I've coached are very passionate and love mm-hmm. the game. So there's a, a lot of... It's a very intense game when we usually play, when I play one of my mm-hmm. former um, coaches or somebody that's played with me. But there's a genuine love, and that's mm-hmm. the thing that's really neat. Um, we can... Um, be excited to see each other before, but when the game starts, it's um, we're all, um, mm-hmm. you know, and are um, passionately doing what we do. But after the game, it's always um, a really neat experience of being able to hug that person and right. get to say how proud I am. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the conversation after mm-hmm. too. And you know, they know a lot of your your coaching philosophies. You know, coaching know. against them, do you have to change certain things because no. they? No, no, no. I mean, they the philosophies are the same. I think um, if you are passionate about what you do, you coach hard mm-hmm. and you're intense. And so the catch is, so if somebody coaches at that same level, then you it's a chess match. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it becomes a really neat um, experience of having that. Um, opportunity. Um, okay. What What are your coaching philosophies and strategies for developing a successful team? I think it's really important as a coach that we figure out each individual. And for me, it's getting to know each player. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times coaches get caught up on the physical and they just put so much attention on the physical and they don't get to know um, the kid well enough to understand what's going on mentally. Mm-hmm. The difference maker, in my opinion, is the middle game. If you can understand the middle game and how to help empower kids to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. um, with failure, I mean, being okay with failure and letting them be in uncomfortable situations where they can grow, that's where um, you find success. And I think that's the key. You Mm -hmm. have to create settings for kids where they're okay with failure. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, you have the kids coming in like from the middle school and, Mm -hmm. you know, before, you know, now you we had talked a while back that they're starting middle school softball, you know, before they didn't have it. So, you know, you have the girls that really want to play softball coming from middle school up to high school, but they haven't really played before. So, like, how do you go about, you know, once trials coming, you know, around and how do you separate the ones, you know, to be on certain teams? 
Well, that's hard. Um, the off season is a key. Um, a lot of kids are at different levels where they have no experience, mm-hmm. and you have kids that are that are ready to go, um, that are getting ready to play at the mm-hmm. collegiate level. Um, I try to allow my kids that have no experience to get comfortable gradually um, getting to a place where they can um, interact and compete and do um, skills in that um, on a daily in our off season. And that's where the most important time for them to grow. In the off season, allowing them to work with the better players to see it and then to um, let them have those few months to grow and seeing um, how something's done. Our younger players learn from our um, experienced players, our seasoned mm-hmm. players, and you want those younger players to be able to see what they want to be like. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Um, how do you approach the trial and selection process for the team? Like, you know, you have you might have some freshmen coming up that can play, you know, JV or maybe a little varsity, and you might have, you know, the upperclassmen that's, you know, not so good, and they might have to play on the junior varsity team. Like, how do you, you know, just mix it all up and make sure you pick the ones that'll make your team the most? Well, successful? our trial process starts day one in August when mm-hmm. we see our kids, um, everything that they do. And I'll be honest, um, our philosophy is we're looking for the complete player, not what they can just do on the softball field. I look a lot at the academics. How this kid's doing academically, what they do, and the classroom is definitely a reflection of how, what kind of a softball player they're going to be. Because if they're strong in the um, classroom, they're also going to be, um, they're going to take um, care of what they do um, on the field and, and everything else that they do. Mm-hmm. And so we put a lot of emphasis on being the whole person. And um, we go with the best players. We... Um, you know, I never had anybody when I was their age to work on the middle game. I think we put a lot of emph- emphasis on that. But I told them it's pretty simple. Um, this is one of our things. The people that work the hardest mm-hmm. and give 100% every day are the people that are going to find a way on the field. Mm-hmm. And if you're giving 100% every day, you're going to um, become um, better mm-hmm. each opportunity you set foot on that field. So that's our emphasis. And this 1% better is a mindset we like to talk about, but it's implementing. And that's something that I hope that we're going to put a lot more emphasis this year on actually quantitatively showing how we're getting 1% better every day. Okay. Um, this kind of off the thing. Um, about coaching, you know, how, how exciting is it to have coaches that have played the game for a while, like as your assistant coaches? Oh, I think it's a difference maker because those kids see those um, coaches mm-hmm. um, as um, a model. They want to be just like them. They're a role model. Mm-hmm. And when you have a, um, a person that's experienced it and the kids know that they have experienced it, mm-hmm. now they have somebody that they can try to relate to, but they get to see them every day and they get to interact and get to develop with them, with that um, coach, you know, coaching them. And... Um, I don't know if anybody truly understands what it takes to be a college athlete if they haven't been in it. Because mm-hmm. the commitment to it and the hours that you put in to first to get to that place and being that 5% or whatever the number is, mm-hmm. and then to be in the, um, a, um, in that mindset where you get to play and then compete at a, I mean, at a high level then takes you to the next level. So it's hard to simulate it unless you've experienced it. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. What are your expectations for a player commitment and dedication to the team? Um, we want all our kids to work hard, and we ask for no excuses. Mm-hmm. Um, we I want to be solution minded. We um, we're very for- family oriented. We um, we want to work on um, just being committed to doing things right all the time. And um, our motto with our team is love wins. We want kids that genuinely love each other. Um, we want them to have empathy for each other, mm-hmm. where they actually feel for somebody um, and the person that they're playing with. Not sympathy, but empathy. If you can get a team to play for each other and actually feel the emotions that their teammate is feeling, then I think you're able to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's right, because it's all about team bonding and, mm-hmm. and everything. I mean, they start that at the younger ages, you know, right. try to have a lot of team bonding and stuff yeah. like that. So, how do you balance academics and athletics for the student athlete? So, academics is first for us. So, our priority is for our kids to do um, the focus. I mean, we want all of our kids, it's an 80 or above. Each week we're checking on our um, their um, grades. If they're below an 80, then we're finding a trying to find out what's happening. If it's the kid not doing the work or if it's the not understanding. And I have a really good relationship with our teachers where I talk to them one-on-one and they're very um, receptive to that kind of conversation and working with us to figure out what we need to do. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it's our kids not putting in the work that they need to. And that's something that it's easy to, not easy, but something that has to be that hard conversation with the parent and the kid Mm -hmm. of what they need to do to take care of what they need to academically. Okay, and like when I was in school, they used to make us run if we didn't have a certain grade. I fit in basketball, <laughs> so like, was what is the discipline that that you take? We do kids? have some running consequences, but we also have um, if they're not meeting their um, their um, class expectations, we'll have them go to this, and we'll have them go work in the classroom and do what they need to, and figure out study hall times and that, and they take away from field time. Mm-hmm. So, but we do have some running and, mm-hmm. um, it seems to work pretty well, but, um, it's not, but it's again, to me, it's about who you want that person to develop as, and you want them to understand how important it is to take care of their academics. Mm-hmm. Yes. Cause I mean, academics is, yeah, like you said, Alex, it's good. Y'all keep it number one because yeah. it don't matter really how good you are as an athlete if you don't have the grades you you won't be able to well and i'll say this i um, was fortunate it paid my way through school um i never paid for i didn't have to pay anything because my academics were so high Mm -hmm. i graduated magna cum laude um i had a high gpa in um, high school and that gave me the academic money so my scholarship was half academics and half um, athletics Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times i'll tell a kid if they have a b in a class or not a b a c Mm-hmm. That could be a difference of maybe three to five thousand dollars academically on a presidential scholarship, and you're talking three to five thousand per year. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about anywhere <laughs> from twelve to fifteen thousand, maybe more, is a difference of mm-hmm. one seat right. on a um, four-year high school career. Mm-hmm. So I, that's how I put things in perspective. Oh wow, that's <laughs> that's it's real. crazy when you when start thinking breaking, yes. twelve to fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars when you have a C compared to B, and then we really work hard on those seventy nines. They have to be eighties. The eighty eights have to be nineties, and so mm-hmm. that's our again. It's quantitative, mm-hmm. and so we try to um, show them the numbers and okay. talk real. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's right. That's 
That's a good way to, to put it. And softball's a minor sport, so if you're um, you're not going to get a full ride mm-hmm. unless you are that pitcher that's throwing 70 miles an hour and you're that um, catcher or whatever that team is looking for. But mm-hmm. most softball players are not on full rides, so their balance is their academics, and that's mm-hmm. how they um, are able to complement their package. Okay. All right. Some new information right there. <laughs> <laughs> um what are your strategy, strategies for building team chemistry and fostering a positive team culture? Well, I'm really big on servant leadership. And so um, that's my word. We do one word. Um, and servant, intentional, um, and obedient are my three words. Obedient, intentional, servant. And so I try to model what it looks like to be a servant. We do a lot of community service, and we started um, to get a little bit smarter not just checking the box for an event that we do we're doing stuff now within our community so we're working with the mayor of converse we're working with our fire chief and the kids have the opportunity of painting um, fire hydrants they're cleaning up um, areas um, in the community um, that people are visually seeing and they get to see because it's right by the school and we do a lot of stuff within our um, with our special needs programs, our life skills kids. Mm-hmm. We work with them two or three times a year, and then they are recognized in our softball games. So I think it's important for kids to see those kids or different people that have disabilities or people that are different than them mm-hmm. to appreciate what they have. And so we put a lot of emphasis on those kind of things. Okay, that's that's. I guess it's, it is good, you know, to make them do things, not make them do things, but have them do things closer to the school so they can actually see see, see what they're doing mm-hmm. instead of going to random places and right. they have no idea, you know, what if, oh, are they keeping up with it or, right. you know, stuff like that. They have to see um, what they do. Mm-hmm. And I think when you have a constant reminder every day when you go by it, mm-hmm. it's a sense of pride. Yeah, and that's um, something that's unique about our school. And we talk about Rocket Pride. Mm-hmm. That is what pride is about. When you're giving back mm-hmm. and you see the benefits of something that you do for somebody else, and it's not about you, mm-hmm. and you don't, you're not wanting the attention, you're just doing it because you want to do something good for somebody. That's that's like I, as like in the youth sports, I look at it like mm-hmm. as the coaches that coach and they don't have a kid on the team Mm -hmm. because I you know I know a lot of youth coaches they coach because they have a kid and you know that's I mean it is what it is right but you do see certain coaches that coach and they don't have a kid on the team and I'm looking at like like, they're man, giving their you, time. Yes, like you really just they're giving their time. Everybody, they're giving you know? it because they want to get back. Yes, yes, and that's that's I always applaud coaches. And that's something that, like that. I and mean, you can tell a lot by people's actions. And I think actions mm-hmm. speak louder than words. Yeah, yeah. And inequality that you just shared. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. So um, let's um, jump ahead okay. to just a few years back, the state run. Um, talk about the season, you know, and, you know, the very talented. You had a very talented team. We was able to witness a lot of those games. Just talk about, you know, from beginning to the ending that year. So that was the end result two years ago when we went to the state tournament. Um, as a group of freshmen coming in, we had five of those kids starting as um, freshmen on our varsity team Mm -hmm. and we made it I think three rounds and played against a really good team that we ended up losing in the last inning Um, that was Austin High and um, that was a great experience Mm -hmm. because um, experience failure 
as 14 year olds trying to figure out what this is all about playing against 17, 18 year olds. And a dominant pitcher that was um, amazing, was averaging over two strikeouts per um, inning that they were able to hit, which was off the charts. I mean, it was like 2.25 2. strikeouts per inning. And you're winning by three, two or three runs in the last inning and you end up losing by a run. Mm-hmm. And that was heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I think they had to experience that failure to prepare for their sophomore years. They go into sophomore years um, and then they have some weird injuries and it's COVID. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're right there ready to go to the next level and the season gets cut short. Mm-hmm. And so that was eye-opening because nobody's ever experienced that. There's no textbook right. answer to it. Mm-hmm. So you're in unknown territory. Um, we come back and I feel like their junior year, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, these kids aren't ready physically. And we have, I don't know what we're gonna do to get them physically ready. Mm-hmm. They're talented enough, but they're not physically ready. But the um, one thing that we focused was their mental. Because mm-hmm. mentally, these kids um, came from something that none right. of us experienced. Mm-hmm. So our focus was on the mental. We gradually went back into the physical, trying to get back to where we wanted to be. We had some trials. We actually had a lot of success because we were so um, so offensively strong. We were scoring a lot of runs. Mm-hmm. And you weren't seeing our weaknesses defensively because we were scoring so many right. runs. And we had an unexpected loss um, that was hard on the kids um, um, against East Central in our tournament. And that was our turning point mm-hmm. because the kids started blaming each other. They had an experience. They all, they're winning. Mm-hmm. They, they're on top of, um, you know, just feeling good about themselves and they lose a game that they shouldn't have lost. And so for me um, and our coaching staff, we had to change, we had to stop and we had to identify the problem Mm -hmm. because they were blaming each other. Mm -hmm. And we knew if we allowed them to blame each other for that loss, then it was gonna spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And so we were very smart. The kids um, role played, Um, our pitcher role played what she felt and how the girls gave up on her when the going got tough. And they laughed about it when the kid was role-playing, our pitch was role-playing, but they got to see what she was feeling. And she said, no guys, you did this to me. This is how I felt. And um, when they saw it and heard it from the voice of their pitcher of how they give up on each other, then they realized that they had to make some changes. And so that was our first turning point. We go to spring break and we have a really hard heart um, one of those come to Jesus little team meetings. <laughs> and, and, you, and you, at times you don't realize how, um, what people are feeling mm-hmm. unless you allow them to talk. Right. And so they were able to talk and it was pretty intense and it was scary because you didn't know what was going to happen. We didn't mm-hmm. know. And the coaching staff were like, nope, let's go. We got to keep on going. <laughs> and it was the same day we we're doing our team pictures and we're like, nope. We're going to keep on going. We'll be late for team pitchers. We're just going to make it happen. And if we wouldn't have had that conversation, I don't think we would have been able to have the success that we had. Mm-hmm. Because some people shared some of the things that they were feeling and people didn't realize that they were hurting um, those people by their actions and what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And so from that point on, I felt like we grew. We got stronger. We got more confident. Our middle game was stronger. Um, that was one thing I could go into games and telling the kids, nobody's stronger than you mentally. You were prepared mentally to face whatever you have to. Mm-hmm. Our practices, I felt like we increased the intensity and did what we needed to to get them past some of the things that they were um, dealing with. 
and um, it just created some cohesiveness. Um, we had one of our players come back from injury, um, our senior shortstop, she'd been out for two years, and just seeing people overcome obstacles mm -hmm. to become, and opportunities more than anything, to come, get back on the field, mm -hmm. and then seeing some of the personal things going on, that was life-changing. The kids realized they needed to be in the moment, mm -hmm. and they just embraced it. They definitely embraced it. And I um, compliment our coaches, coaching staff was so invested in each player getting a pulse on each one mm -hmm. that some of these kids were um, not in school um, face to face they were taking classes asynchronous and they would just show up to practice <laughs> so we didn't know what was happening we had no mm -hmm. idea until they showed up to practice if they were okay or not and so our coaches did a great job of just engaging with each player and knowing where they were at mm -hmm. and like going into the you know the playoffs and and stuff like that, like talk about, you know, how just each game y'all got better and better and better. Well, I think the preparation, and I, mm -hmm. um, this is one comment I made to the kids, the difference between you and your opponent is going to be your preparation. We, as a coaching staff, scouted every um, team. We knew everything about every team that we played. We're blessed to have Coach Fields that was able to throw 65 to 69 to the kids and mm -hmm. really gave them opportunities offensively to prepare to get them in the right mm -hmm. line instead of seeing different pitches at a high speed. Um, their confidence evolved when they were in situations that were uncomfortable in games and they were able to pull out because someone stepped up. And it wasn't always the best player or the player that was getting um, all the balls. It mm -hmm. was somebody that was your number eight, nine in your hitting <laughs> lineup that came up with mm -hmm. a big at bat or somebody that um, had, you know, just a, a big play to get you out of the inning or with loaded bases and no outs, your pitcher um, trust your defense to do what they need to do. And that's what we saw. Mm -hmm. And it was a level of confidence that um, they were going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, speak on like the, the championship game, you know, it was a hard fought game. I was there, you know, uh -huh. I, I was able to, to see it. But just talk about how, you know, at the ending, you know, y'all wasn't able to pull it off. And just seeing the girls, you know, sad and They're crying, emotions. emotional, very emotional. Like, yeah. how were you able to just keep them strong in that moment? Well, I think that's what you want to see at the end of the game. You mm -hmm. want to see the emotions. Right. If you win or lose, you want right. to see mm -hmm. them feel. Because if you don't feel what you saw, um, then you really didn't give everything you had. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I remember maybe two or th maybe around the fourth round of our games talking to Coach Fields, our assistant, and I remember him and uh, the two of us having a one-on-one, -on -one, and he said, I don't want this to end. And I said, I don't either. And I said, let's just write it out. Let's just go and continue to um, you know, give everything we have. Mm -hmm. And he said, yep, that's all we can do. And so that was our mindset. We mm -hmm. just gave everything we had, and so did the kids. So I think... You know, the motions of trying to score a run, it was hard because mm. they were hitting the ball so well. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, the, I mean, it was just a pitcher's duel, a great defensive game, and it went down to, you know, two little, I mean, just an opportunity of getting a string of yeah. um, hits or people on base. And we kept talking every inning about let's just, you know, um, shorten up our swing, let's put the ball in play. <laughs> and our shorten up, I think the adrenaline was so high, and these kids have been such big hitters mm -hmm. that, um, you know, they, in their mind, 
they couldn't stop it. <laughs> right. You yeah. know, you play at such a high level, mm-hmm. you can't just stop, stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're trying to contain the motions, which I think we somewhat did. But, um, you know, it was unfortunate for us that um, Deer Park was able to finish and do what they did. But um, those were, I mean, it was just a well-played game yeah. by every single player mm-hmm. out there um, for both teams. Yeah. And that, so when you walk away from it, I think that was the neatest thing as a coach. I could say that I witnessed our kids leaving everything on the field. Mm-hmm. And so what else could you ask for? Right. And that's how our mindset was for every game. We asked them to give everything they had, leave knowing that you exhausted yourself to be the best version of yourself, mm-hmm. and do whatever it takes to take care of each pitch and be ready mentally. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we did. Right. So how can you not be proud? <laughs> I mean, and so I think, I really believe that these moments prepare you for something bigger. And mm-hmm. so for a situation like um, our kids that are experiencing the collegiate level now, this first year in college, a lot of them experience mm-hmm. success. Right. And I think it was because of their experience and what they experienced mm. in high school. Because y'all could have had like 10 home runs in that. I think we could have <laughs> had around game. six to eight. Yeah, yeah I mean, I gave <laughs> a little extra, but six, yeah, yeah, y'all, because uh, it was like home runs. Center field made, center field made such amazing plays. plays. Mm-hmm. And those are plays that, and I, you know, I've talked to the Deer Park coach and even the outfield coach, and I um, asked her, I said, what do you do to prepare your kids to be that ready? Mm-hmm. And it's just a simulation of um, that expectation and practice. But that's a special player that can make those plays. Yeah, yeah, she made some great plays yeah. out there. And our kids made some great yeah. plays. Too. Yeah, there was just one run. Yeah. <laughs> one, <laughs> one run. run. <laughs> one, one run. run. Yeah. And that's the thing. So the difference between finishing something is, you know, they talk about inches or mm-hmm. a strike or a play. So that's what you're preparing for. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't dwell on that thinking that we were one play away from winning a state championship, but the reality was we were. Right. Mm-hmm. Really? One yeah. play. One play. One play. One pitch. Yes. One play. One hit. Yes. From winning one the hit. title. One, one hit. hit. One, one hit. hit. And it was so many balls that were hit so well so, uh, that were just exceptional just, plays yes. that, um, I mean, the, field the, best, <laughs> the best defensive game I've ever witnessed. Yeah, it was like watching it, you know, and having like my daughter uh-huh. and a few of her teammates was uh-huh. there watching it. Like, I think we talked about that game probably for like the next few weeks. Yeah. Just like how well it was played on both sides. Yeah. Defense, team, both teams was hitting. Place was yeah. being made. And like, big it plays was, had to be made. Yes, big plays. Had and it was just a really good game to yeah. watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how do you handle conflict resolution among players or within the team? You know, I'm that coach that addresses it. I mm-hmm. address it um, one-on-one with, the, with the, where the conflict's coming from. Mm-hmm. I will be honest, I think a lot of coaches step away from it and they just want to brush it away and think it'll go away. Mm-hmm. It won't go away. And so the hardest thing with girls is we're emotional. And so having emotions involved, you're going to have conflict right. or you're going to have, um, you know, confrontations. And um, it's important to address it and it's important to be honest and mm-hmm. to be um, able to talk to someone face to face and figure out how you're going to work through it. But the biggest thing I think a lot of times with conflict is when um, alignment's off and what your philosophies are within your program. And so um, that's where you have to be really careful in making sure that person or the people that are having the conflict understand the importance of 
um, them being aligned with the expectations within the program. Mm-hmm. Okay, nice. Because, I mean, you, you would try to, you know, best thing, hopefully you don't ever have to deal with stuff like that, but... Like That's you said, it's, it's girls, so you're gonna. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you're I'm gonna tell you, it's to... not reality, and this is the thing: everything looks so great when you're winning, mm-hmm. and you have a great season like we did um, a couple years ago, and everybody thinks, "Man, it was simple. It right. was, you know, they go hit the ball, they play the defense line, but there were so many steps that we had to get through, and where we had to work through, mm-hmm. where we had to have that spring break meeting, we had to have that East Central game um, that we lost, where we had that reality, and it mm-hmm. was conflict. Because we were blaming each other, mm-hmm. and we had to address it. If I didn't, if we didn't address it as a, a staff and a program, we would not have made it as far as we did. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and that's, that's what you said. Yeah, that's key you because it, yeah, you have to be on the on the you. same page. Like yeah. to to have good success, you need to be on the same page with yeah. your teammates. And you're gonna um, have detours, mm-hmm. and that's oh, just yes. a realness. Yeah, that's that's, that's a part of life. Because right? people aren't gonna be happy all the time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think that's like one thing that's completely impossible. To yes, have it's everybody real. happy. Like, it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah, real. that's that's the thing that we have big in the youth sports. Uh-huh. Is trying to make make sure see who's happy because at the end of the day, as coaches, it's hard. Like, well, I don't know, think it's, it's impossible. I think it's a facade. Um, to be happy creates a good culture. I think you have to have empathy, mm-hmm. and that's where I think people fall short. People aren't willing to invest in building the relationship to get to the place to have empathy. Mm-hmm. Your surface, per- a lot of people have sympathy, surface, but not where they want to get deeper and feel for each other. Mm-hmm. Until you feel for somebody, I don't think you can really sincerely have a love mm-hmm. and create that, what we call happy, what you're saying. But it's love, a mm-hmm. genuine love. It's, it has right. to be pure. It can't be fake. It mm-hmm. can't be when I want it. It has to be all yeah, the time. All the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's the problem in youth sports. Yeah. Is people just want to be your friends sometimes, yeah. and like it's like it doesn't. It doesn't wanna, work. I don't want to have part time friends. Like. No, I don't either. And so that's why I put so much emphasis on love. And I think that the kids see how important love is for me. And I've been blessed with a very strong um, support from my parents. Mm-hmm. And the kids see how my parents love me, and I think they want that too. And so I think. That's why um, they have such a strong connection to my parents. Because mm-hmm. when we go to Brenham, all they want to do is be around my parents and go and do all the fun stuff that we do. They want to play, but they come back and always say they love going to Brenham because of what they get to experience mm-hmm. by being around my parents and seeing what I did as a kid or how I grew up. Mm-hmm. And all they're doing is just loving, showing love. Mm-hmm. And so... <laughs> I really figured, I figured this out around 10 years ago. I, I said, I think that's it. I really think that's it. Mm-hmm. They have to learn how to love each other. Yeah. It's funny. You said Burnham. I graduated from Burnham. Oh, in, really? In 2004. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> weird. You're like a Peters guy during that, um, um, the baseball um, was in the eight Yeah, ladies. I didn't know much. No, I no, was, well, okay. no, that yeah, was I graduated so in different. 2004. Okay, that's, yeah. a, that's 15 years. Never yeah. mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has a very successful um, baseball and softball mm-hmm. program. Yeah, and I played. So I played with three different players, three to four different people in my little league program. We mm-hmm. were all. They were from Brenham, mm-hmm. Sealy, Lagrange, and um, there was one other place I think. But um, we had some really strong players mm-hmm. from Brenham in that area. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some big names, yeah. like Winkleman. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I remember Winkleman. Oh, yeah. I went to a school with a, a girl yeah. that her last name was yeah. Winkleman. Kelly Winkleman, she was a strong pitcher that pitched for us. Mm-hmm. Some great players that played with me. Yeah, and that's why we were so good. Mm-hmm. And we played the big league together. So I don't even know how we did that, but we had our I guess our our area got to play as a big league team. Probably because yeah. Sealy is. Yeah, we had Sealy, and we did have Sealy. So Sealy, Lagrange, and mm-hmm. then Bruno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> Small world. Yes. Uh-huh. What is what is your approach to player development and skill progression throughout the season? My approach for every kid is that you have to have a foundation for them. And not every kid is different. You can't teach each kid at the same level, but you have to have a high expectation for each kid. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you lower your level for a kid that's um, just starting but you let them progress where they develop at a slower pace compared to the person that's more skilled. Mm -hmm. So our player development is important that we develop all players, not just Mm -hmm. our skilled players that come in that have been playing for a while. Mm -hmm. And so it takes time, it takes investment, but we also have to know where each kid is at to know what we need to do to get them to the place where they can complement ultimately what we're trying to create within Mm -hmm. our programs. Um, let's say, say like you have, you know, a few players and a few upperclassmen and, and they battling it out for a spot. Like, how do you go about just choosing who starts this game? Say one have a good week this week, the other one have a good week this week. How do you come in, you know, with the coaches and be like, well, and, and pick a starter or will it just change throughout how they... I don't like to change. They, um, I, I say I don't like to change. I don't like to be where they don't know. Um, I don't want them to be unexpected and um, not knowing whether or not they're going to be starting on the mound or mm-hmm. if they're going to be um, starting in whatever position. We compete daily mm-hmm. to create um, to create the situations that we want. So in our off season and when these kids come in, by their competing, it's pretty um, evident who our players are mm-hmm. that should be a varsity player or maybe a, um, a JV player. Um, I don't like to say you are this player for us because then a person gets complacent. I don't want to say you're my go-to pitcher. Um, I want our pitchers to compete every day where they mm-hmm. think um, that they want to be on the mound and they want the ball in their hand. Mm-hmm. So, you know, different our roles we talk about, they evolve. But um, a freshman can come in and beat somebody that's um, played a couple years at the varsity level in a position. Mm-hmm. If they're more skilled and they're ready and they're competing and they're working hard every day, I don't have a problem playing that freshman before a, um, a person that's been um, a varsity player. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody beats somebody out that's a, a younger player, it's usually because somebody's complacent and they get comfortable and get mm-hmm. entitled. And that's something that I think um, it's important for kids to not get comfortable. When you become in- entitled, then you get um, you make more errors, you make more mistakes, mm-hmm. and you you're not ready. You're not in a position to be ready for what you need to be mm-hmm. able to do consistently. If you're not working at right. the level yeah. that you need to be doing um, to prepare for each day, I mean mm-hmm. each game. Because when you get like that, it's like. Um... I'm going to start anyway, right? Yeah. It's, it don't matter. So, you know, people have used this term with me, and I don't get it. And I've heard it, and I know, I know what it means, but they say they're gamers. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't understand <laughs> a player that just shows up for a game. Mm-hmm. That's not the player that mm-hmm. I want playing next to me. Mm-hmm. I want the player that when, you know, the going gets tough and you're down and you have to find a way mm-hmm. to come back, I want to know the person right next to me is not going to um, give up because um, we're not in a position. To, right. um, they don't think we can win because mm-hmm. they haven't prepared for that. So um, we, I think if you could create a healthy environment of um, competing daily, that creates the um, culture that you want and a level of um, just transparency. And that it's very transparent when you compete. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you don't compete and you just go out and go through the motions, then you're not really going to find your true players of who should be out there. If you're not putting them under that kind of simulating that pressure that you want. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, how do you incorporate strength and conditioning into your training program? Well, we're blessed to have a um, strength coach that we've had for the last two or three years that's worked with us. And our strength coach is um, works with me one-on-one. Mm-hmm. We kind of talk about what our needs are. And he develops what he thinks um, is best for us. And then we figure out how we can implement that into our schedule. Um, UIL has changed the rule where you can do one hour conditioning daily. We haven't taken advantage of that outside of our um, athletic class to the full capacity of doing it five days a week. Um, that, you know, sometimes kids just need a break. Mm-hmm. We do it two to three days a week where we do something outside of the athletic period. And that's something that we're working with our um, strength coach right now of figuring out how we can do more explosive, plyometric, um, functional strength things um, and working on their um, also on their strength um, with the weights and um, how that can be a balance in our off season. Then we go into different phases going into the season. Okay. Okay. What are your strategies for in game decision making and managing game situations? Well, a lot of it depends on my preparation. Mm-hmm. Our preparation as a team um, of what we did. Um, you know, it's important for me to see a team and scout a team before I play them. Mm-hmm. And I need to see what I'm up against so then I have a mental of the reality of what they're going to do against us. So that is one of the biggest things that I try to do before I play any team, especially a district team, that mm-hmm. we have them scout it well. Um, in game situations, I think it's important to be aggressive. Um, early, um, I think it's important, depending on the team, knowing my, um, our opponent, if we're not going to be hitting the ball well, we have to figure out how to generate runs and do something quick Mm -hmm. and figure out how we're going to put pressure on them. A lot of times, you know, it's short game or, um, whatever it is that we can to just put pace runners on. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I have a lot of confidence in my staff when we are in some situations that I'll look at them and just say, we're going all in or we're doing this and it's a, a nod or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I like having their nod of, yes, this is what we're going to do because they know we're ready, mm-hmm. that um, we're all on the same page. But um, it's important to get your kids where they're confident to be able to make those big plays that you need mm-hmm. and ask them to make those plays in a uh, first and third mm-hmm. or whatever the situation might be um, that you have to create something. That run that we had two years ago, 
um, we were in a first and third. We beat uh, Bowie on a double play. And I remember him thinking, man, those are hard plays to make. We practiced it so well mm -hmm. that um, Ariella Hunter behind the plate was confident to make that play and make that um, throw to our shortstop. And Lauren Ramos to throw her out at home. They got a double out. They got the kid out going to second and then threw out the kid going home. home yeah. And that was it. That was the <laughs> end of the game. Mm -hmm. And those are the plays that you want to be able to know that. I mean, they have the green light. I'm not telling them to go do it. They know because we expect them mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And like, do y'all, so like you said, y'all, do y'all practice plays like that? Oh, yeah. Do y'all put them, them in those do type we, of situations? Do we execute them all the time in practice? No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's the hardest part. They have the patience to simulate those kind of plays mm -hmm. and um, allow them to not get so frustrated with it that you can make it. Mm -hmm. And that's the hardest thing when you have someone that's a little bit more skilled or at a higher level and you're asking them to have the person next to them compliment them and making mm -hmm. those big plays. You have to get them to have that trust too. Right. And that takes time. Mm -hmm. That's um, something that doesn't just happen. So a lot of these teams that you see that are seasoned, it's a lot of times these smaller schools that have played together, like a, um, a program, these um, schools from... Um, I'm thinking Gregory Portland. I'm thinking um, Cal Allen. Those kids have been all been playing together forever. Oh, and yeah. when you see some of these plays that they're making, it's because they've been playing mm -hmm. together for so yeah, long. The and so their chemistry is so mm -hmm. good where they have the confidence to make those um, ESPN yeah, plays. Right. Because I guess that's a, a big thing like here. Because I've, when I've been here three years and I've oh. heard a lot of people like it's, it's too many schools. Like all the talent yeah. is so... Is so spread out. Like, like what? What are your? What is your intake on on that? No, I think that's a re a realness of a big school. I mean, all these kids are playing everywhere, and so you have a disadvantage when you're mm -hmm. playing against a program. Some of these schools that are that have been playing all together, but that's where we as coaches have to figure out how to get them to that place mm -hmm. where they can, you know, um, be ready to play. Right. And so what we do is we purposely play um, a very um, strong scrimmage schedule. Our scrimmages are tough, and I expose we expose everything in our scrimmages, mm -hmm. so I know right away where we're at. Mm -hmm. First tournament we go to is Brenham. We see Pearland, we see Brenham, we see Liberty, we see um, Wiley. All these teams are going to state every year, <laughs> yeah. and some of the best coaches in the state. Mm -hmm. So we're getting to see those teams, and I'm throwing them out there and saying. Let's go. Mm -hmm. Let's go compete. And a lot of times, um, I've taken young teams there that had no clue who we were up against when it was a Midland League or some of these teams that they weren't supposed to be. <laughs> they weren't supposed to be Paraland in the year that they won state, but we beat them. Um, you know, those things, and that was in this past year, um, but um, in years past, we played against some really good teams that they just didn't know any better. Mm -hmm. And so, if I can get them to play in the purity of playing against the t best teams in the state, not knowing and right. anticipating that, mm -hmm. oh, we're going to get beat because they have mm -hmm. inexperience and they're young and they're 14-year-olds, then you can bring that confidence over into district play. Mm -hmm. Then you're putting yourself mm -hmm. in a situation where you can be successful. Mm -hmm. And how do, you, how do you keep them focused, you know? Do they, you know, knowing that they might do some type of research, you know, knowing which school teams they're playing, do they have like, do they have talks 
in the locker room, like, you know. Oh, well, hopefully they're, they're not. <laughs> I'm hoping they're not smart enough to do that. <laughs> but the kids that have played enough, that are playing at that high level, know who they're playing against, and they're not intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, the younger kids, if they went and did research, they probably would be scared to death. Mm-hmm. But um, if you can get them to go and um, just play right. and have fun and play hard mm-hmm. and play the way you're supposed to play the game, you're going to experience success. Right. But when you start blaming or get all these distractions from the outside coming in, mm-hmm. um, that's where it gets complicated. Mm-hmm. And so I like the innocence of playing a hard schedule. I don't care about a record. I have no clue what my record is as I'm coaching at Judson. And I know it's not a great record. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's above average probably, but it's not great. It's not anything that people are saying, man, mm-hmm. they're that good. <laughs> but we purposefully play the best mm-hmm. yeah, and put ourselves against the best teams. So then we can be ready to play district mm-hmm. play. Yeah, because that's what it's all uh, about, the district. Getting right? yourself ready mm-hmm. um, the second half of your season. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree with that. Mm-hmm. How do you prepare your team mentally for high-pressure games or tournaments? Kind of like what we were just talking about. And so we have to put pressure on them, put a timer, put put them competing against somebody that's better than them. Always put them in situations where they're with people that are better than them. Mm -hmm. And if it's your best player, then somehow you have to expose that player too on their weaknesses to have Mm -hmm. let them have the opportunity to experience failure, to become... um, you know, to work through it. But constantly, I want our kids to, and this is crazy, but I mean, people talk about it. I want my kids to fail every day Mm -hmm. in practice so they're pushing themselves outside their comfort. Mm -hmm. If they're comfortable and they're not experiencing failure in practice, we're not working them. um, Mm -hmm. We're not simulating a tough enough situation. Right, yeah. And that's Mm -hmm. on me. That's on our coaching staff. Mm -hmm. And I think it kind of starts with the select the whole selecting because uh-huh. there's a lot of teams where you play one position and, and then that's it and it's uh-huh. like and I'm like like no yeah. like they too way too young for that most I short stops once they get older they go to second base like you know like outfield. I might play yes outfield it's yeah. like I like to see teams where they move the young think, ones uh, around well I think all, all players need to be utility players mm-hmm I think if you're not a utility player, you limit yourself. Mm-hmm. And then um, it's just, I think it's so important for kids to have the experience of playing a different position so they feel it and then they get the confidence that they know they can do it. Mm-hmm. And this is the thing I disagree with with select. A kid playing two innings of a five inning game, how do they really truly understand, how do they really truly experience a game setting? If they're only getting their um, two innings to pitch or two innings to catch when they're not playing a full game. You have to let a kid experience the entire thing. They work through it. Mm-hmm. If not, then they don't get out of that. They um, go 0 for 2 and they think they're a failure. When they that third to bat, they're probably going to hit the ball mm-hmm. and they're 1 for 3. So we have to let kids play full games to let them overcome whatever they're experiencing in that game mm-hmm. to put themselves in a um, situation where they can see they can work through. If the kids never work through it, then how can they ever develop the next level of play? Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> I so agree. In, ex- in practice, we have to create that same kind of setting for them where we work them in settings where they fail and they have to work through it. 
yeah. they have to work through it, not just individually as a group. Okay. And, you know, if we're doing 21 outs and we don't make our time and, um, you know, it's into practice, we're going back at it and we're doing it again. And then we might do it again. And the frustration comes mm-hmm. in and you see it and those kids have to regroup. But we're going to work through it and get through it before we go and um, stop. Because if I stop it, then I'm saying, okay, it's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. It's okay. And again, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not okay. <laughs> it's not okay for them You're because like, then they're never going to be able mm-hmm. to be their full potential. Right. You got to fight right? through adversity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can you, how can a kid get to their full potential if you don't let them experience working through it? Yes. I agree with that. Cause mm-hmm. like speak about the, you just said uh 21 out. So mm-hmm. how do, how does that work? You just so, get 21 out. So we have 21 outs in a um, game and um, I'm usually hitting the fun go. We have base runners on and we create situations. Usually I'll create, um, I know all nine hitters of my opponent, mm-hmm. and if they're hitting from the left side, right side, if the power hitters, we put runners in scoring position, whatever it might be. Okay. So we create kind of simulated game that we were going to be playing. Um, when we're really good at it, we can make it in around five minutes um, or 21 outs, um, but it's fast. I mean, the kid catches the ball, that's an out. Um, if we make an error, it's a negative two. So let's mm. say I'm at a one, and I make an error, I'm at negative, <laughs> negative one. one. I make another error, mm. negative three. So you got to get an out, you only get one. Um, oh, one, one point. Yeah, one point. <laughs> but on error, it's negative. So mm-hmm. a weaker person that's uh, mentally not ready could make a couple mistakes. And I'll, I might go back at that person, mm-hmm. not to pick on them, but I might give them a couple plays and come back to them to see if they're going to recover. Mm-hmm. Or if I know it's a weakness of something, of their um, skill set, then I'm going to put pressure on them to have to respond. Or it might be out 20 and you're down to 30 seconds, 15 seconds, mm-hmm. and that person doesn't make that play. Um, go back to- <laughs> then you go back and start, you have to, you, you know, you're, you're at 19, yeah. 20, and now you go to 18 and you have 30 seconds, it probably isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so you get, now you can see the kids talking to each other. Either they're empowering the person right next to them or they're getting mad. Mm-hmm. So that's all. Um, <laughs> that's all strategic on trying to create that pressure on them. Oh, I yeah. think that's the first time I, I heard about that. The twenty-one out, you know, twenty-one yeah. one outs in the yeah. game. But okay, cause, I mean, what high school it goes by innings, yeah. and, and youth is uh-huh. by time, right? By time. So around so. six minutes is a pretty good time period to do it. But you know, it depends on your fungo hitter too. I'm really. Fast, yeah, and I can get pretty um, mm-hmm. get it um, in and out. If somebody's so hitting the ball slowly and not hitting it the way it needs to, mm-hmm. then they're not gonna make their time either. Mm-hmm. So, so don't make it easy on them. No, it can't be easy, time. but you also have to be smart where they can get it, but also put the pressure or simulating mm-hmm. what you're trying to create. Okay. And so a lot depends on the team. If we're going against, I mean, I remember one year against Pearland, every player was um, a slapper. I mean, a lefty. So we had to create a left-handed. Um, look on every play um you know and so you know that's a different look think about it so if your um, pitcher's not a good um defender mm-hmm. and you're putting more um pressure on your corners or your third baseman um you have to make sure everybody's ready for that mm-hmm. and um it's going to be fast mm-hmm. and so we try to simulate as much as we can what our opponents are going to um, show us um offensively Okay, that's that's good. All part of your recruiting, right? Yeah. That's, that's, 
That's interesting, though. Yeah. But I, I, I know it sucked to play against a team with all lefties. Think about it. Think about the mindset for a pitcher. Yes. So if the pitcher hasn't prepared that whole week, um, right. seeing nine lefties, then they might Actually, be done. Yeah. Right, yeah. And we did not know we were going to experience that. when we One year when we played in Brenham, I was like, oh, my gosh. We are not ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane, though. That's yeah. a lot of left handers. I mean, left handers are hard to come about. I know. And we well, they of have them all. them all. <laughs> <laughs> no, How do you approach your player feedback and individualize coaching during practices and games? So, player feedback one. Mm. Um, we ask kids to talk to us. We ask, um, I try to get a pulse on um, a lot of my kids. Um, as much as I can in warm-ups and stuff like that. Body language is important for me. Um, I'm very big on that, of just trying to see what what kind of, what the kids, I mean, how the kids think and what the kids, mm-hmm. I can tell a lot by a kid's face or if their head's down or whatever. So um, that's important, but um, feedback, we ask kids, I mean, we're open door. Um, we want our kids to talk. Um, but we also are very careful on making sure that we protect the team. Mm-hmm. And so it's not anything where we go and criticize um, players within. Um, it's a one-on-one on feedback. And then constructively, we try to make sure that they understand how important it is. If there's something that they have to say in front of the group, it's a constructive way of approaching mm-hmm. things. So we talk a lot about um, those those are that those different ways of how you can address those situations mm-hmm. and like how do you keep you know to make sure everybody's on the same page when when we when they're giving out the you know the constructive criticism like how do you keep the ones like some of them just focus and not like get mad or, right. or stuff like oh that. i gotta know my kid mm-hmm. i can go and talk to somebody um really intensely that um can handle mm-hmm. i mean i can that maybe can right. handle it mm-hmm but there could be somebody else that if I talk that same way, they're yeah. not going to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very careful. I'm not a coach that wants to break down kids. Um, I do. Get, I can get frustrated. And the kids mm-hmm. know when I get frustrated that um, I have to find myself and bring myself back in. And that's mm-hmm. something important for my coaches to understand, too, where they uh, pick me back or bring me back in. But frustration usually comes in with a lack of um, focus. Um, and that's when I see, and when something like that could happen. Okay. But, um, every kid is different and I can't treat every kid the same in how I talk to them. Mm-hmm. And that's important that I, um, yes. and it's important for my coaches to, too, not just me. I take a lot of time of getting to know each one of them, but I expect my coaches to do the same. Mm-hmm. And if they don't put the same investment that I'm asking myself, like they don't do the same mm-hmm. thing then those kids won't trust that coach and giving constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. The kids that have the best relationship with our um, coaches are the ones that do well with constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how, how, how big is like having a, a coaching staff that you can communicate, have good communication with? Good communication um, is important, but good communication is not always going to be um, without confrontation. Mm-hmm. Right. And when I say confrontation, I mean, we, I want my coaches to um, disagree with me. Mm-hmm. I don't want them to be, yes, yes coach. Yes, yes, but now, yes. I want a coach that's going to challenge me to be a better coach every day. Mm-hmm. And so that's the expectation within our coaching um, philosophy with our coaches. What we do is behind closed doors, the kids never know mm-hmm. that we have a disagreement or something that we don't agree on right. out in front of, um, in a team setting. 
but behind closed doors when we're doing figuring out practicing or lineups or whatever it might be there's there's going to be um some strong conversations mm -hmm. where uh, people can voice what their thoughts are right. and um a lot of times you know i might be so tunnel vision on something and another coach is saying no hey what about this and I want them to say that mm -hmm. and not say, hey, you're, you're just thinking this, but I really think we can do this. And I'm very open to that. Okay. Um, I want coaches to use their voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mean, that's a, that's a good thing because you have some coaches and it's their it's way, way or the highway. Yeah. Right? <laughs> no, no. And I promise you, I don't know enough. And I don't want to know enough. I want every one of my coaches to be empowered to bring out what they have their gifts and to share that mm -hmm. and we're all so different and so unique and all of our personalities are so different too mm -hmm. which is good yeah you yes want to that's have a diverse good right group of people mm -hmm. out there um coaching yes um what is like what is uh one thing that what's some good advice you would give your younger self my younger self as a coach yes as in life in life just be the best version of yourself. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've been asked that question a couple of times, and I can't remember what it was for, but um, I think people get caught up in being who they think they're supposed to be, mm -hmm. and they don't allow themselves to be who they are. Mm -hmm. And so, and this is the one thing I hear our kids speak all the time. Their fear of failure. They don't want to let down their parents. Mm -hmm. And um, as a coach... I think it's important that um, we allow, understand everybody's different and nobody's going, and not, we can't ask somebody to be somebody that we want them to be. Mm -hmm. They have right. to find themselves. And so the same thing as a coach. I can't tell you this is who I want you to be. Mm -hmm. I want that coach to evolve and to be the best version of himself. Just like I know I'm constantly growing, I want to be a better person every day, be able to um, give my kids um, what they need to be successful. I want every one of those kids that I coach to have the same opportunity I had because mm -hmm. it opened up so many doors Right. and I had no clue or no idea of being a small town kid, <laughs> what was really out there mm -hmm. and what was, um, what I could do with, um, the opportunity of playing a game of softball. Mm. Yes. Cause I mean, and it's just getting bigger and yeah, bigger I mean, and it's bigger. Evolving. It's so <laughs> exciting. Yes. It's um, mm -hmm. become such a great opportunity for girls. Yeah. This is something I never thought I would be involved in yeah. in a million years because I only play basketball. I mean, uh -huh. like it was too hot to just yeah. be standing out You're there. You're indoor sports. Yes. Indoor. You didn't want to be in the cold. No, I needed no. the AC. No. I, if it wasn't AC, I wasn't involved. Yeah. If it's <laughs> the, snowing outside, you're not going to go no, out there and play. Think, yeah, you know, so yeah, now. raining all yeah. that. No, let's just stay inside, yeah. you know. And But my daughter, she started playing at the age of three. And yeah. I think four, she was going to be five. She started um, playing like uh -huh. an actual organized, you know, t-ball. And then it just yes, evolved. It's just the rest. Is just, and you know, the just, one thing that the only thing that scares me with kids playing at such a young age Kids that are passionate can handle the um, demand mm -hmm. at a young age. Kids that are playing for the social to have, be a part of something can't play can't, at that at demand. The young age, right. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be really careful too mm -hmm. that you allow them to pick right. what they want. Yes. And I think that's one of the hardest things that I think kids experience or at a place when I see them at the high school level. Our conversations mm -hmm. are, I've been doing this. But I don't love it anymore. Mm -hmm. 
And when they say that, it's a hard to hear because now you got to figure out and help them figure out, right. are they still going to want to play? Mm-hmm. Or how can they rekindle that love and find that love again and find it where it's um, fun and not an expectation mm-hmm, yeah. that they're trying to meet up to. Yeah, they feel like they have to do it because our older sister was playing or something. Right, right. And it's, it's funny as you said that because with my my youngest one, my youngest daughter, she we would ask her, you know, but us not knowing much and like dad started playing uh-huh. young. And so we was just like, like, you want to play? You want to steady action? She was like, no. She didn't start playing until she was like six. Yeah. She started and like she was like nah and it's like man girl you good like you could have <laughs> you could have been doing this but she was just like she wasn't uh, ready yes and and, and she you... falls into I think kind of that social part she uh-huh. can be really really good uh-huh. when she put her mind to it but sometimes she's just like just let's just go through the motions i just hit it hard one time everybody (laughs) will get happy and then i can chill a little bit (laughs) well and that's okay and that's the Mm -hmm. thing and i think that i learned i've learned by my experience i was had very supportive parents i didn't ever have an expectation Mm -hmm. but i also was a perfectionist and i um was one of those people that you know would find a way to win Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the best but i found a way to win and i um, look back i was a part of a lot of successful teams Mm -hmm. because i think of the culture that was created the culture is not created by the coach the culture is created by the strongest voice within a team Mm -hmm. it's my mindset on that so whoever your leader is within your team is going to create your culture or going to be the voice of the culture that you're trying whatever the strongest voice is going to create mm-hmm. that culture. Okay. So as a coach, I show them what it looks like. Mm-hmm. And they can either accept it or they can go and do their own thing. Mm-hmm. And so I've been fortunate where I was groomed, where I had parents that supported me and I just played hard. And I think that is how you ultimately want to get to a purity of you just playing hard. Mm-hmm. And then you do it passionately the way it's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. And then you don't want anything less. <laughs> right. That you don't know any better. Because mm-hmm. you yeah, just do true. it right. Yeah, you right, do it right. When right you way. do things mm-hmm. the right, right way, you like the results. Why would you accept anything less? Mm. Yeah. And so ultimately, I think that's the ideal setting that you're trying to create within a culture. Because you have people at different places. Mm-hmm. You have right. the kids that are extreme, and you have the kids that are playing for the social, mm-hmm. and then you have the kids that just want to be a part of something. Yes. And so you have to figure out how all of those different groups can play together. Mm-hmm. And but how difficult is that? <laughs> that's the key, and that's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. And that's the coaches that are great are coaches that figure out how to um, create that, or allow that process to grow. Mm-hmm. And they don't eliminate, because you still have to, you have 15 players, you still have that player that's there for the social that has to have a role. That doesn't have to, that has a role. Mm-hmm. And you have to make sure that they're empowered and they um, know how important they are. If somebody knows how important they are, they will do. They will go to a different yeah, level. Yeah, they'll go to a different level. Mm-hmm. When you understand your importance mm-hmm. and you feel valued, you will be, you want to be productive mm-hmm. within a group. Yes. And I don't mean saying bad way, but especially women. Yeah, <laughs> but you're right. Woman, like, I mean, but like we as just... women, we want to be good at what we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And um, it's, I mean, it's a prideful thing. Mm-hmm. And like so now, men, it's just like whatever. Yeah, guys can get. Oh, uh, who cares? That's why. That's why guys can get over it if they have a difference or 
mm-hmm. you know, physical con- or fight or whatever. They just they can go play with that person the next day. <laughs> next day. Girls, no, mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> it's no. gonna take time. Yes, it's oh take yes, time. oh yes. But you gotta love your women. That's all yeah. I think. <laughs> um, how do you evaluate the success of your coaching and the progress of the team? Success is valued with those unknowns when. Um, you have a player come back to you and um, they share something that was significant that you had no clue how important it was to them. Um, Success is not by wins. Success is about the process, about um, our philosophy and within our program is for kids to um, leave empowered, confident women. We want them to know that they can do whatever they want. If a kid can leave our program knowing that they um, know that they can do whatever they want, and they go out mm-hmm. and do those, go to, you know, in that um, professionally, you know, with their families or whatever. When you s- witness that and see that, then that's when I um, feel that I can say that our program has been successful mm-hmm. or that kid had a good experience. And sometimes people will have bad experiences and that experience will help them grow to become the people that they um, become, um, you know, better from the process of something that wasn't just perfect. Mm-hmm. But when our players, our former athletes, come back to speak to our kids, that to me is one of the um, biggest compliments when they want to come back and right. talk to our kids and mm-hmm. tell them, hey, this is what I did. This is what I did. Maybe could have did differently. I just want you to know. Or just they want to be a part yes. of the program still. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I look like we be like as dads, we talk like, at you know, softball practice uh-huh. or games and whatever. And one thing came out one time and it was like, I don't think like softball players, collegiate softball players realize like how famous they are to the little girls that's, oh, yeah. that's coming up. Because a lot of them is just like they like I think it's like just the normal thing. They see them. I'll speak to them. Take a picture and it's like, huh, like you know, whatever, but not knowing that these little girls like really, really look up to them. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I know what you're saying. I remember, and I can say this um, about Nicole Shedden. She's my assistant. I remember her saying that she wanted to be like um, our catcher that was before her, Higgy. She played at a small um, Division One school, um, and she looked up to her, and she mm-hmm. was scared of her. Um, I look at Karina Thornton's at East Central and Jordan Goins is at Clark. Jordan Goins wanted to be just like Karina as a player. So within our program, I know these little girls, I mean, these girls that are four or five years younger Mm. are looking up to certain players. I know when I have our campers um, and have our collegiate players or those former players come back to coach, Mm. that they see themselves as that... um, collegiate player Mm -hmm. and so I think it's important that we continue to plant seeds Mm -hmm. so we allow kids to see themselves and see that they can be that person and so I feel that is my responsibility as a coach Mm -hmm. because um, for me if I wouldn't have had the opportunity to apply at the next level I don't know if where I would be because <laughs> right. all these doors are open from softball. Mm-hmm. So why would I not want to bring those, um, not create those settings as much as I can, or they can um, see the players that have gone through our program to be um, and see themselves mm-hmm. in those positions. 
Yeah, no, I agree with it that. That's yes, so it just many, opens I mean, up mine. doors. Yeah, it's just one thing leads to the next, to the yeah. next, to the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, how excited are you about having middle school softball? I think it's a difference maker. <laughs> I think it's going to be a difference maker. I never ever thought that I would be able to see middle school softball um, in my coaching career. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been something that Coach Corrales and I talked about in our evaluations maybe five years ago. We'd start talking about middle school softball. Mm-hmm. We'd like to have it. And when she left being our um, coordinator at Judson and moved up as the athletic director, this is something I talked to my coordinator a couple of years ago, Coach Camacho. I said, I really think, you know, if we get softball in, mm-hmm. it could be a difference maker. And Coach Corrales made it happen. That conversation, like I said, happened around five years ago, at least five years ago. The two of us talked about it. And she made it happen. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to give another identity for our kids. I think our kids need to have um, another um, setting to be able to um, be a part of. Mm -hmm. And there's something about it, and I haven't looked at the numbers, but I know this is something that we've done some research pre-COVID within our district. When you're part of something, that it creates um, something within the mental health of a kid. And, and I can't remember what we were, we were, that was one of the goals of our district before pre-COVID and then things changed when COVID came mm-hmm. in. But if these kids are part of this uh, middle school program, now they have the confidence to come in right. and then come into a program that might be pretty successful and mm-hmm. not knowing whether mm-hmm. or not you could be, make the team, they're not going to be intimidated by not taking that step. Good. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I know we have some great coaches at the middle school. I think they're going to make a difference. Make They're going to be difference makers because they're going to be teaching the skill set. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have them so much. They're going to be so well prepared. Right. That mm-hmm. they're going to be stepping into um, high school ready to go. Ready, yeah. They they yeah. already have an idea of what's going to go on yeah. at the high school level. Um, so will they be just like practicing, or will they have other games against the other? No, they're playing against D? other um, schools. Um, I didn't look at the schedule specifically, but um, our um, athletic director. Ruby Delagarza shared with me yesterday, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't look at it. I know we're playing in May. I think Wednesdays um, the games will be played, okay. and I'm not sure who they're playing it, but I'm guessing they have around ten games, mm-hmm. and they'll get to play and they'll be practicing in that spring, and then um, get to compete. Right. Yeah. That's and have an identity mm-hmm. at the middle school as a middle school softball right. team. Yeah. Because I know it's, it's it's good that they're starting here. Yeah. Like, you know, because I know it'd be harder for, like, the bigger ISDs because it's so many. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you can't just schools. make it happen. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's a process. Because you have, um, because you have fields and spacing mm-hmm. and games. And so, um, you know, it works out well with her playing in May and then playing in May and then playing on Wednesdays with playoffs and that. It kind of fits well with our schedule. Mm-hmm. So that was okay. well thought out. And Coach Deligars, um was um, a very successful um, softball coach before she got into administration. She took her team to state at Brennan. So she knows the process okay. and understood mm-hmm. all that when she right. was developing um, all this with Coach Corrales and setting up, setting up for us. Okay, okay. Um, like, how do, how do you help the girls, you know, your high school girls, through the recruiting process, you know, because some girls might be getting more letters than the next person. And, you know, they see that and then they're wondering why are they getting these and why why am I not getting any? Like, how do you keep them focused on, you know, hey, go walk your path and don't worry about the next And one. that's the hardest thing. These kids want to be committed early. Mm-hmm. And so then there's pressure um, and they feel like, man, I'm not signed. I'm not going to um, have the right offer or whatever it might be. 
Um, we've been very successful. Every kid that's wanted to leave our program to go on to play somewhere, we've mm-hmm. found a, we have been able to find a place. If they haven't found it but through their club, we've been able to make calls and figure out how we can get them to the place to a place to play. But the kids that do make it to play from our program mm-hmm. know the expectation. First is academics. Mm-hmm. We have to have a kid. I mean, to sell a kid or to share and talk about a kid. If they're not strong academically, yeah. um, they're yeah. a liability. Mm-hmm. Think about it. They're a liability. Why is a coach going to take a um, chance and invest money mm-hmm. on a person that might not make the grades? If they're not making it at the high school level, right. they're not going to make it at the college level. Mm-hmm. Bottom line. And so um, it's easy to... Um, Talk about a kid that's worked hard and um, has a good work ethic. Um, I had the um, opportunity of coaching um, after I got through playing at St. Mary's, and I coached in the mid-90s at St. Mary's. And I, a lot of my friends are still coaching and um, have um, can I can give a call, and they can sh- um, tell, get, send me in a direction, or a lot of my um, players have gone through some of the programs of some of these friends of mine that um, I played against or played with that are still um, – um, in the collegiate world, um, and but it, now it's hard with the portal open. It's created a whole different setting. <laughs> right. um, now um, you know those eighteen-year-olds are having. It's a little bit harder. To, it's a lot harder to get a scholarship because people are bouncing around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that portal is. The portal's is tough. Crazy. So <laughs> you have to. Um, and I don't know if it's another year or two that we'll see with these um, co- um, players that had the COVID year. And that, if um, that'll kind of balance now okay. or not, I hope it will, because I think that some of our kids aren't getting as great of offers because, because of the portal. Fifth, yes, the uh, because of this, and stuff. then they have um, medical red shirts or mm. those different things that fell in the COVID, the and so you have a because they're playing seven or eight years, years mm-hmm. which is you know taking away from right. the last two or, or two or three years of yes. recruiting. Okay. Um, so that's the realness too. But if a kid works hard, has strong academics, and um, has the qualities and characteristics to be a team player, that's something that I'm able to commute or to actually articulate to a coach. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy to find a place for a player right. that, um, and it might be a D3. It might be a non-scholarship school if they're going in for an academic. We had a kid that was a valedictorian uh, one of my first years. It's a doctor that went to UT Dallas, very successful doctor in Seattle. We had another kid that went to UTEP, and she's a successful doctor. Um, But (laughs) all these kids, everything that's in common with the kids that are successful are their academics. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a lot of kids that have professionally done some great things, and um, it's because of... Again, their academics gave them Mm -hmm. the opportunity to pay for the school of college of playing, and then they've done some great things professionally. Mm -hmm. Yes, academics. And that's a common common thing. (laughs) I mean, one thing we keep on going back to academics. Mm -hmm. The whole person is a person that is strong academically. Yes. Mm -hmm. Got to get get in the school. Got to school work first. Yes. (laughs) School work first. so what's what's one thing that you can what's one thing that can make you a better coach that you can work on that you kind of you know been maybe thinking about mm, let's try this maybe I can do this this and you just haven't went over the line and and done it what's what's that one thing I put myself uncomfortable this past week when I went to coaching school mm-hmm. I knew three of the best coaches were speaking there was actually more than um, that but 
um, Liberty um, coach, Coach Slack, she was there. She's gone to state, very successful 4A level. Um, Paralyn Coach, good friend of mine, she mm-hmm. just retired this year, one state. Um, she presented at coaching school and then the Deer Park coach. Mm-hmm. I have purposely, the last couple of years, um, um, allowed myself to talk to her more, uh, or just getting to know her because she's doing something really um, well within her program. All three of those coaches I spent time with this past um, week at coaching school and got to talk to them, seeing what they're doing, and really communicating back and forth with mm-hmm. them. Um, and doing some things that I want to incorporate and some changes in implementing that we can be more successful. All three of those programs are set up like a college program. They are set mm-hmm. up to be um, ready for um, the, a transition into college. Okay. We have... I believe that um, our program can go to that next, needs to go to that next level of that same kind of accountability. Mm-hmm. We have some good things going on, but I think we can be stronger. And so after visiting with them and talking back and forth, and I had some information for Coach Slack just a little while ago that I was looking at. Um, she's been corresponding back and forth, but talking to people that are better than me with their program, or better in their programs with success mm-hmm. and figuring out how to sustain it is what we have to do. And the programs that are successful are the ones that are sustaining it, not just a one-time thing. Mm-hmm. They're doing it all the time. And those three coaches um, have had that um, success. McNeese coach, I haven't reached out to him yet, but he's very successful. I love what he talked about at coaching school. No more, it was, it was more about culture, but what he's doing is a lot of what we are doing in within our program. So that was affirmation. Okay. And I, um, I constantly go to these. Um, I go to the national... Um, Fast Pitch Coaches Association, their mm-hmm. convention every year, gotten to know um, a lot of coaches, um, Power Five coaches from okay. those experiences. I go to the mentor um, cl- um, session that they have, and it's people that haven't had much um, experience coaching, maybe less than 10 years, and um, that are usually the p- people that go mm-hmm. on that late session. <laughs> well, I go as that person, <laughs> even though I have 30 years experience, um, experience mm-hmm. coaching, I go in like I don't know anything. And I sit there with the best coaches in the country mm-hmm. and we'll have six or eight of them will come by within a two hour period and we get to hear, I mean, they'll, they'll talk to you. They talk to you about real things. And to me, it's not about networking. It's just about getting to be in the, um, be yeah. one-on-one talking mm-hmm. to a Pat Murphy, uh, a Patty Gasso, I mean, um, mm-hmm. you know, Rhonda Ravel, um, all these great coaches mm-hmm. are all there and they're there and that's the neat thing about softball um, these coaches are willing to reach out and help wherever I can send a text or um, call one of those coaches and they're really good about sending um, information if I'm struggling trying to figure out how to work through something mm-hmm. um, on a drill or you know just a way of evaluating um, when you have your tryouts or any of those things um, I've gotten some great um, resources from some okay. great um, programs. So even after the 30 years, you're still learning and oh, learning yeah. and learning, right? Because yeah. you get those coaches and they, they think they know everything. <laughs> well, and you know what I will tell you? If I don't want to continue to learn, then I probably need to get out. Mm-hmm. It's time for me to leave. Because when I think I know everything or I don't need to constantly um, go into these opportunities, of, mm-hmm. um, seeing these clinics, then I'm going to get I'm, I'm going to get, I mean, I'm just, you just lose your leverage mm-hmm. and not that you have leverage, but you, you're at a place of learning and you continue to grow, but you regress when you get stagnant. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, okay. Sounds and so, and that's what I try to, I hope that I'm um, helping our coaches understand that we have to be constant learners. Our younger coaches, you know, sometimes you're so busy mm-hmm. and you don't take time just to stop to do these things. But um, reading, like podcasts, all these different things of implement ways we can implement um, creative ways to help our kids is important. Okay. And what what's some good advice you would give the, these, um, like you just said, the younger coaches that's, that's coming up and want to have a, a good long career in coaching uh-huh. like, like yourself? I think you have to, again, put yourself in uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, you have to go up to um, somebody that's successful and not be pr- prideful. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the Deer Park coach, gosh, so gracious. Uh, Paralyn coach, um, Liberty coach, they are the most successful, some of the most successful coaches in the state. And they're so gracious in helping. Mm-hmm. But you got to make that step. You can't be intimidated. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to build relationships. And I think that's the neat thing, too. Um, we've had, um, I've been blessed to have um, a relationship with a parallel coach for the whole time I've been coaching and playing against her. And um, that has helped our program grow by getting to play mm-hmm. those kind of teams. Right and seeing those people. So don't get comfortable mm-hmm. within your comfort. Go outside your comfort. Put yourself in those settings where um, the best are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, the final question is kind of how I keep it, keep my podcast rolling. Okay. Is um, who would you like to hear on the podcast? But your answer, you would have to help me get your answer on the podcast. Who would I like to hear <laughs> on the podcast? Man, that's a good question. You, you've been saying names all throughout yeah. the show, and you have you know, a lot of alums. You have so yeah. many ideas. <laughs> you know, you have to tell me who you want, and we can go after them. I, I, I think it just depends what you want to hear. Um, um, you know, do you want the um, that coach? It can be that coach. It can be that player that kind of went through some things, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. injuries and was able to come out and still be successful playing. Uh-huh. I mean, what is, yeah. is I mean, in There's softball, so many people yes. that have gone through, yeah. you know, and that's what everything's, um, you know, when you see somebody that's gone through an injury, um, I think Lauren Ramos' story, St. Mary's, mm-hmm. she's that person that needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And that would be a perfect person for every kid to hear. I mean, everything going wrong um, for her um, and not healing with a um, simple break in her hand from, um, a weird break and um, she could have very easily gave up mm-hmm. but she didn't she came back and had an amazing senior year for us at Judson and led our team to the state and mm-hmm. then is very successful at St. Mary's right. she's a person that I can get you for sure <laughs> um, but I think um, you know you have to find people that are relevant um, that can relate to your audience mm-hmm. right and, and, and with minds it's it's kind of a I mean, I've had, you know, a few high school youth, um, uh, Coach Halliburton, uh-huh. Coach um, A-Rod, you know, as in this area, high school uh-huh. coaches. So, I mean, and they they have been also in the youth sports area, too, uh-huh. though. You know, so, coaching. yes, they're yeah. coaching in the youth sports area, too. So, that's kind of how I, I was able to get, get to them. them. Yeah, so, I mean, I have a lot of my, is like, youth sports, and they also have told me, like, they like to hear... Like I said, like Lauren, like her uh-huh. story, yeah. you know, girls that didn't go D1, they had to go to the junior college route, uh-huh. you know, why, well, you know, what was the reason, you know, just so 
it can be more transparent to to everybody and not just the girls with all well the and that's and you said something short now the facade is that everybody thinks they have to go d1 yes yes mm-hmm. and um that's for me case. i went to junior college which was the best experience for me mm-hmm. playing volleyball that opened up a bigger door to go play at St. Mary's. Mm-hmm. And so if I would have been caught up with this JUCO thing, which I didn't even know any better other than all my school was paid for, <laughs> and I could have went to um, Southwest, which would have been a great opportunity too, but I don't know if it would have opened up the doors mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. playing volleyball and playing two sports right. um, mm-hmm. and having to. Um, and so I think that's where people have to hear. It's not about just playing D1 softball. Right, yes. Because mm-hmm. Lauren Ramos is a perfect fit at mm-hmm. um, St. Mary's yes. with a great program at a D2. Mm-hmm. And her story is definitely worthy. But um, I can definitely get you, um, we can work on Lauren Ramos and we can get some okay. big names too for okay. you. Okay. We can that out. I'm sure you know a lot. And we can get some big names for you. <laughs> a lot bigger than my name. No. <laughs> hey, in this area, you have a big name. So, oh, you know. It is uh, 10 letters. Yeah. 10 letters. The last name is 10 letters. Yeah. So, you know, um, no, I want to thank you for giving me your time a day. I know you're busy, you know, getting ready for school and everything. So, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. No, I appreciate it. You, Our conversation helped me um, think about some things that I can. Um, do a better job too. Mm, nice. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I thank my boy Mike Estrada for getting the logo right. So all my small business owners, if y'all need some logos, y'all hit up my boy Mike, man. I let my boy Thomas. He's still out here getting them kids right. So y'all speed and agility, y'all need to hit him up. He got some quality work. My boy Jeremy with the tent, go follow his page on Facebook, GTZ Window Tent, and, and hit him up. Man, y'all get them appointments in. Levi's reads some more. Let the wife get them doors looking good. I know them doors might be naked, so go ahead and let her get y'all right. Levi's mobile detailing, just a call away from getting them cars looking brand new again so y'all hit us up and we ready to get some work in all of us